Hello and welcome back to the One Take Show. In this episode, we are in conversation with the incredible Mr. Anirudh Rastogi. Sir is the founder and managing partner of Ikigai Law, an award-winning law firm specializing in technology law. And in this episode, we have the privilege of asking him all the questions that I've always wanted to ask him. We talk about his experience with law. We talk about his journey with law. We also talk about the journey of Ikigai Law. And we also talk about a very interesting topic that is the choice that a law students often go through, whether to strive for generalization or a specialization and he talks about why is it important that law students especially the young lawyers should strive for specialization and more about this in this episode so if you like this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you have any suggestions or feedbacks write them down in the comment section i would love to read them so ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's start the podcast you want something go get it period Hello, sir. Welcome to the One Take Show. I am so excited to have you on the podcast. I, as a law student, obviously someone who is trying to understand everything that is going around us with the developments in technology law and whatnot. Your journey, in very specific, has been extremely inspiring and something that I am personally very, very excited to talk about and learn from. So, thank you so much for taking time off your busy schedule and sitting down with me for this conversation. Sure, Kasko. Thanks for having me here. I'm uh, really excited, and I'm. I'm sorry, we've been trying to schedule this for a little bit, but uh, here I am and I'm glad. Absolutely, sir. And I think uh, I would have waited for as long as it took. I mean, uh, to have this opportunity to speak with you in itself is very rewarding and for every law student. And with that perspective, I think I ask you about your experience uh, with law. I think every law student can learn a lot from just the experience of all the experts and the guests that we have on this podcast. So if you could please tell me what started you with law and what was your initial phase with the industry with law in general. So I think I I uh, probably became a lawyer by accident. I was when I was in school I was uh, quite uh, curious about different career options and uh, um, and maybe for that reason at least uh, the the good thing is I did not foreclose any. I mean I I, I didn't kind of. Uh, take it for granted that I've got to do one thing or the other. Uh, but uh, the idea of doing law did kind of come to me by accident. And, uh, uh, you know, but luckily when I did kind of, uh, you know, manage to get access to a prospectus for, uh, for the university that I finally joined in, um, I was very fascinated by the sheer breadth of um, you know the the breadth of the legal curriculum for that you know that you go through in a five year duration, um, and uh, that I thought was was really remarkable, right? I mean, on one end you are doing courses around uh, you know uh, you know you're doing your contracts, which which kind of give you an insight into business and uh, and trade. You're you're doing constitutional law and uh, and uh, administrative law, which gives you a sense of you know what's uh, of of uh, uh, politics and uh, you know uh, political sciences and whatnot and and then you know you are uh, you, you are doing some of these exotic courses around uh, we had a course on water law we had a course on space law and honestly in law school you didn't really dive deep in any of that and it was in, but but for somebody you know in in standard 12 who was looking at this prospectus it, it seemed very fascinating right um, uh, so i think the sheer breadth of it, it it looked like a very liberal kind of an education uh, and clearly was so, uh, yeah, I think that that's what got me excited. Yeah. And I think one of the very exciting things about, as you mentioned, that all these activities that happen in law school somehow are very contributing in their own 
respective uh, capacities. But when we look at the initial part of the industry, when let's say a final year student is sort of planning their initial phases in the industry, that in itself is a journey that very is very fascinating. So from your experience, what was that period like when you started with the industry? No, I mean, it was like, it was quite, um, uh, quite interesting for me. And I, um, I, I think uh, when I was when I graduated from law school, I was quite clear in my head that I wanted to litigate. Um, and, uh, and I happened to join a law firm, uh, which uh, not not in their litigation team. Uh, the idea that I had was that, you know, maybe joining a larger uh, kind of, uh, you know, organization that is kind of professionally run, as opposed to uh, an individual counsel's chamber, uh, would be would, would probably expose me to a lot of things which you would not get to see otherwise, which and one being how is an organization kind of, uh, you know, run on, you know, the, the structurally, culturally. Um, uh, yeah, uh, so, so I, I think uh, that, um, and, and, and because I kind of went in with that idea, I think I, uh, I also, uh, you know, I, I had my kind of, I, I was curious and I was looking around and I was trying to uh, learn about all of these things as well. So that was, that was quite uh, interesting for me. Um, and, uh, you know the organization I joined also allowed you a fair bit of responsibility early on, so that was that was great. So I, I had a good one year, but but after that I kind of went on to uh, do my masters, and uh, uh, so yeah, so that was that was the uh, the the kind of first year for me uh, immediately after law school. Right, right, sir. And I think after that, every law student or anyone who's even remotely related with law sort of is aware of your. Uh, story because we generally look up to it because the story to Ikigai law firm like today in itself is something that we somehow uh, look up to understand that this is an example that has been set. So obviously like the first question about this was that what helped you arrive at Ikigai law? I mean inceptionally what was your conceptual understanding, your inspiration and uh, why did you start that law firm? Sure. So, I mean, uh, you, you know, a couple of uh, different answers to it. One that uh, I always had a bit of an entrepreneurial uh, itch in me, even even when I was in, um, uh, you know, high school, to be honest, uh, except that it, it wasn't really a career option back then. I mean, entrepreneurship or the word uh, uh, entrepreneurship wasn't quite the buzzword that it is today. Um, and uh, I'm not even sure if people used to, uh, you know, uh, use that word that much, uh, to be honest. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but I always, uh, you know, had that kind of, uh, uh, that, that, that inclination. And uh, when I, when I was in, uh, and, you know, after my master's, I was in Singapore for about four and a half odd years, uh, where, which is where I started to, again, kind of, get excited about doing something entrepreneurial, uh, especially within the technology space or tech venture, right? And, uh, and a friend of mine and I actually spent a fair bit of time trying to imagine uh, a particular venture, which, uh, which we were not able to really kick off the ground. But uh, that, uh, you know, but irrespective, by the, by, by the time that realization came, I was very certain that that's that I have to be on my own now. It's time that I, you know, I don't, I don't want to, uh, uh, to kind of uh, not be doing something uh, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, which is which is not entrepreneurial. 
so i um, the idea i had at that time was that now i'll move back to india and um, uh, and on and, and funny as it may sound the very kind of romantic notion was that i don't know what i'm going to do so i was spending 6 months in goa uh and incidentally after all these many years i finally found myself there but uh but at that point it was like well i spent six months there and i'll try and figure out what are the opportunities that one could build on now at this this time mind you i'm not talking about doing anything within the legal space at all i i was i thought to myself that i'm done with with the law um and i'll i'll start maybe a tech venture of sorts in in stuff incidentally however that uh, while i arrived in india i never made it to go um and in that meanwhile i had already started talking to a friend of mine from um, uh, you know who was with me in law school and uh, we decided that well maybe it's it's an interesting time to kind of try out something uh, entrepreneurial within the legal space right and uh, uh, and the law firm which sort of is differentiated in what it tries to um, uh, you know the kind of work that it does etc and the way in which it does it uh, would be an interesting idea uh so that is how that kind of conversation began and you know i uh, uh landed in delhi and you know me and my friend we started what was called tra back in the day um now the thing was that while and 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 uh, uh you know while i have a fair bit of i i think i i developed a fair bit of clarity over time as to what kind of a firm this would be or what kind of work we would do but at that moment in time it was still to be honest very very a very vague fluid idea uh, there was no clarity I and mean, the whole thing around technology and startups etc i mean it was there was a seed of uh, you know that that thought was there because i as i said i myself wanted to be uh, doing something uh, of my uh, you know kind of within the technology space so I, i definitely had that deep interest in that space and all the entrepreneurial activity which had just begun to happen in india like right? i mean you just yeah you know, this is the time when we had um, uh, we, we probably not even um, you know heard of flipkart so much uh, etc right so so it was it was it was still a a concept and i was interested in that uh, but it was not very clear as to what we will be doing how we'll build out um, uh, but yes yeah, so that's that's um, that's uh, how it started until date i i always say that because i you know i must the reason why if we have been able to bring in a little bit of fresh thinking into the practice of law at ikigai uh, that is because maybe i was never you know as i said i had already decided not to be a lawyer anymore which means i consider myself as an outsider that uh, you know there were things that maybe i didn't enjoy con- uh, about about it completely or things that did not resonate with me completely um and because i kind of came in again back into it as an outsider uh, i i think um, uh, probably that's the reason why i was able to bring in some some kind of new perspective challenge my own notions about how um, uh, how a firm a law firm needs to be built out etc so yeah so that's that was the uh, kind of um, you know the initial journey basically fascinating like truly like even today as you said the breath of fresh air in the legal practice in itself is can be observed easily because there are full service law firms around us and they they've been this way for ages now and uh, i think i've uh, there is in the part of this conversation we also talk about how the age of full service law firm or the generalization in the law firms in itself is not so prevalent anymore but when we it's it's a very interesting question because i'm asking this to the founder of the law firm itself that when you look at it today ikigai 
the kind of work that you do how do you define it in a way that does it encapsulate everything that there is under technology law or do you still again refine it further yeah no that's a that's a very important uh, question kasta because um, so let me zoom zoom out a little bit so first you know why are we a specialist firm uh, and not a generalist firm uh, and uh, i strongly believe uh, that the era of the generalist firms is kind of behind us which which is not to say that the very large generalist firms won't continue to kind of uh, uh, remain prominent I, i think they will except that um, for new law firms to come in or new um, uh, you know service providers to come in and and uh, build out generalist practices um, is uh, i i i believe is is going to be you know far and few uh, it is uh, it, it it is a you know specialization or uh, or specialized services um are going to be um, more prominent now why is that um, or, or why why do i why do why, why is ikigai a specialist practice is is primarily i mean uh, primarily what i what i just articulated which is uh i i i think that you already have you know uh within the legal the legal market is not is 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 um is not very well differentiated right so the firms that are there um they don't necessarily differentiate themselves on very very clear kind of uh, uh parameters right and uh, uh, i believe that given the kind of competitive landscape that you have within the legal industry the only way for a new entrant to come in and make a mark is to be absolutely great at what they do and they can be absolutely great at 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 uh, at something only if it is a very kind of narrowly defined specialization right uh, now but of course there can be multiple specializations that you can build out so I'm, it's not that um, that you will always necessarily remain a, a boutique niche small practice you can scale uh, provided you choose the right niches which niche themselves are going to evolve and become big so therefore niches of the future and you can build multiple niches as well right uh, so as long as you're smart about it i think uh, i i think uh, uh, the uh, to my mind at least uh, you know the uh, the it is essential i think it, it, it to, to be able to kind of uh, make your own mark within the kind of competitive landscape you have today uh, uh, to be a super specialized practice and it is not just within the law right i mean you're seeing this across the board so look at medicine uh look at uh, education you will see that um, you know in uh, ultimately the new practices that you will see that are that are emerging uh, will will uh, i mean you know will be more and more specialized i think the consumer demand is also uh, kind of moving in that direction uh, the the typical consumer is a lot more sophisticated is a lot more uh, aware and, uh, and and so that's that's the kind of uh, belief system and uh, uh, you know so that kind of a specialization helps us uh, in one being really good at what we uh, what we do it helps us in um, uh, in hiring right it makes sure that our management bandwidth is focused on 
a few things, not just about, you know, kind of, uh, and so all of that kind of contributes to making a, 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 a solid practice, right? Uh, as opposed to which if we were also doing, you know, banking and finance and securitization and insolvency and m and and whatnot, um, I believe we would have been one of the hundred kind of practices and the 10 many, you know, tens of practices that have opened since as well, right? Uh, uh, so yeah, so that's, I mean, that's my belief system. And uh, uh, I know that the, the, there are there are dif differing views, but, uh, but yeah, that's, that's how we built out this form. Yeah, and I think you've sort of hinted on it uh, a little bit already, but I think I'll ask you for further clarification. Uh, when you say that the day and age for generalist law firms is behind us, and now the specialization gives you an edge with respect to the, uh, the way market is behaving, the way consumers want uh, the, the sophisticated way they look at the law firms or they want their specialization in that field. Why do you say that in a way, like how does that really translate into the current market situation? Let me take a, take take uh, an example here, right? So the typical litigating lawyer. I'm not talking about law firms uh, because I think the litigation counsel example is a little more relatable to all of us. So the typical litigating lawyer um, is a generalist, right? I mean, there may be very broad uh, distinction between a, a criminal a lawyer who does who has a criminal practice as opposed to a civil lawyer as opposed to say somebody who practices a particular forum say some people only do supreme court uh, but beyond that uh, there are uh, most lawyers will not say no to any kind of work that comes their way except on parameters of fees right now that is not now the reality is a little more kind of nuanced than that. Obviously, if not, if the lawyer doesn't decide, sometimes the market decides for you, right? There are certain lawyers by luck, maybe, or even by design at times, uh, say somebody has come, has done a couple of very, very uh, striking uh, mining related uh, cases. They've done them successfully and the market begins to recognize them as lawyers who are great at mining work. And, and so these people start to become specialized. But in many cases, it is not by design, right? Now, so zooming out again, most litigating lawyers are generalists. And now my question to you is for a new litigator, and, and this is something I used to think even when I was, when I was, uh, as I said, out of law school, I wanted to do litigation. Even I used to wonder, when I go into practice, why will somebody ever come to me, right? Because if I have to gradually over the next 20 years, one matter after the other, build up my kind of, name and expertise, and then people start to recognize you. Uh, but again, as a generalist, and at that point, also there are 20 others who graduated at the same time, come to the same court, uh, work their way up over these 20 years along with you. Uh, what's special? Why would somebody pay me a premium or hire me for that kind of standout matter? Or really, uh, uh, you know, or, or even talking terms of value, what value will I create? Can I convince myself that I'm creating value which is distinct from the others? Is the value only that my claim is, and it really is a claim, that I'm a better lawyer? How can you even uh, quantify that, right? Uh, and, I, and I think, therefore, uh, the, the only tangible kind of uh, distinction, at least in the, within the litigating, uh, uh, you know, amongst litigating lawyers, could really be, well, listen, I am uh, somebody who um, really understands the ins and out of, um, say, mining law, the mining industry, right? Every single uh, 
prominent mining company in the country today wants to work with me like and they come to me not only for uh, for my kind of legal insight which of course they get in the courtroom but even outside for strategic insight advisory for example why because this lawyer has been uh, you know as kind of as entrenched as he or she has been in this industry over so many years i think that kind of an aura that kind of value creation can only happen with that specialization right um and uh, uh, generalist lawyers also bring a different kind of value i think there's a reason why you find so many lawyers in uh, politics for example uh, uh, right um, because i i believe in somebody i used to intern with back in the day who said to me that uh, you know and i'll say this in hindi ki uh, uh, you know like litigating lawyer ke pa ki jo ki ungliyan society ki nabs pe hoti hain right so they they have a their hang on the pulse of the society you've seen so much so much so many different kinds of matters and uh, you know uh, relating to business and politics and society and you know um, uh, well remember that was exactly the reason why i went to law school in the first place as well um, and uh, uh, so obviously there is some value to that kind of generalization also but to be honest in an as i said in a overly competitive dynamic where if people have no claim to what distinguishes them from the other if they can't quantify their value or 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 have a qualitative claim over you know what what distinctive value they are creating over somebody else um then um, you know you will be one of the many hundred maybe you may be one of uh, the 10 great lawyers but well i want to be distinct from everybody else right and i think that can only happen when you own a specialization like a king right i mean I, like there there is nobody else who knows as much about it and that can only happen in certain narrow niches it cannot be that well i am a great constitutional lawyer and well i you know kind of uh yes you have lawyers like that but but understand even the greatest of constitutional law, lawyers in the country like that you would swear by um you know kind of came in at a time at a different era right when that was a specialization in itself i mean there were pe- people who saw the constitution being uh, debated and written in front of them and then the for the very first few um, and and the the kind of all the jurisprudence over the next 20 30 40 years and you saw the emergency through and all uh, you've seen it and you've been part of all of that i mean that is the kind of um, uh, you know exposure experience uh uh, uh entrenchment into a certain uh, uh thing which which i think truly makes you distinct right uh, and i think um, therefore the specializations now which will be relevant in in our future right 10 years from now or 20 years from now we have to rethink them and, and kind of we have to understand what those specializations are going to be and then uh, build them build build expertise in that area from scratch that's what we've tried to do here okay okay guys right fascinating i think i've never ever thought about it like this is all the conversations that i've had previously with most of the seniors or in uh, groups uh, a general narrative has been that please don't choose a specialization too early be a generalist and then sort of build the idea of uh, specialization over a period of time but what you've pointed out is completely path breaking in a sense why would someone come to me or respect my uh, work or would give me an opportunity unless and until i can offer them the unique value that comes with it but so the other perspective is that doesn't this specialization comes with an opportunity cost when an individual or let's say a law firm specializes in a particular area of law and narrows it down to a niche the other kind of work has to be that away with wouldn't that be 
are economically harmful or maybe something that becomes an opportunity cost in the long term so a specialization by is by definition uh, a compromise you have to account for the opportunity cost so you have to be clear that the opportunity i am chasing uh, which is the specialization that i am building will come at the cost of other opportunities the reason why people sometimes who even uh, identify opportunities to specialize and i know enough lawyers because i mean um, i i speak about you know this kind of uh, narrow focus with a fair bit of passion and therefore i often find myself in um, you know debates with or sometimes mentoring younger lawyers um, who would say that well i see the, i want to build something like this i i see myself as a tax lawyer for example and i want to do indirect tax and there too i have a certain kind of industry focus but listen you know i i am not at a place where i can say no to um, the kind of uh, the the lease agreement which comes my way every other day the point is that that is precisely why you would never really be able to specialize because it is only then it's a, it's a then it's a dream but uh, and you really i think to specialize you need to kind of uh, uh, you know you you need to work towards it right so the moment you start taking on other kinds of matters you are then committing a chunk of your bandwidth towards executing those matters right all of which could actually have been otherwise devoted to building out your own your your chosen specialization uh, so if you were to take a long term view and if you're clear that well you want to build out a specialization then i think it's important to commit to it 100% um, because otherwise what you will build out will be a slightly more confused practice uh, now you can strike a middle path many people do that i just think that that's not the um, uh uh i mean just like just like just like i feel and i i i think ikigai would have been a very different firm had we chosen to go down that path like had we chosen to say that well we love technology and we'll do that all of that but listen why say no to the one off kind of real estate matter or banking and finance matter to be very honest um i i, I mean i i i know it that it wouldn't have and out in the same way there are so many when you commit to something with uh, you know and and kind of um, uh, there are there are literally practices we we built or or matters that like we have taken which uh, we have taken at uh, you know kind of uh, knowing very well that you know or sometimes even pro bono right because there's a matter that we definitely want to do because it is going to be one of those path breaking matters in the within the technology space you want your name with it you want to experience that um but it wouldn't pay you right as opposed to that that lease agreement for for example um but but if you start to kind of dilute your focus then that is what you will become you will become your your value proposition will also get diluted over a period of time so it is necessarily a compromise i know it is hard uh, uh it, uh it's a very hard stance to say no to paying work that's coming your way um but i think that uh, it is it's a necessary compromise if you want to build something a distinctive value mm-hmm. right right and let me take your word for it I, at the risk of perhaps sounding a little repetitive but i think it is important for all the all the viewers watching this episode to have it very clear you you've sort of understand you've said it that it becomes hard it's a difficult choice to make that compromise and to settle with the specialization and to work very hard on a particular niche 
while you are sort of ignoring other paying opportunities that might come your way. So when a particular law student, and I, I know that you advise a lot of law students in, in various instances, if a law student who's uh, either number one, trying to make this choice, what would be your suggestion for that law student? And number two, how can they specialize? Should they join a particular law firm? Should they join a particular senior or should they do courses, read up on a particular subject? What are your suggestions in that realm? Oh. So I, I, firstly, I think you shouldn't obsess over this idea. Just, just now. It's important to understand the, the concept. Uh, you don't have to obsess over it as a law student or even somebody in your initial years of your career. So for example, I wasn't trained to be a technology lawyer, not in law school, not in the firms that I joined initially. Um, and I found my kind of uh, passion because uh, I was openly, uh, I, was, I was looking for it, right? I mean, you are, so you are, uh, uh, you need to have your eyes and ears open. You have to experiment a fair bit with different things. But if you were to say like, I will decide what my specialization is going to be in law school, that may, may not work. Or you may start something which you 10 years later realize that maybe you're not as deeply passionate about, etc. And that's also okay. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Uh, so so, so one, one fundamental thing is that I don't disagree with what the other all the other lawyers have spoken to who tell you that, well, generalization is valuable. I don't disagree with that, right? Um, in fact, there are, uh, in fact, you should and you will benefit from a wide variety of skill set, um, understanding of things, um, experiences, etc. In fact, why even within the law? As I said, was the biggest value that I probably brought to Ikigai was that being an outsider, that I was you know, just, uh, uh, I was probably more inspired by everything that was happening around outside of the law firm space, which I, I, I benefited from when I brought it back in, into, uh, into the, the legal practice. Likewise, I mean, uh, uh, keep an open mind, experience, read a lot, talk to a lot of people, try different things. In fact, your internships, you're going to be, you're going to be ultimately joining a law firm. I would say that, why, why do you want to spend your internships doing, you know, uh, going to a law firm or, a, or I mean, try, try different things. So that generalization is valuable, but do realize that at some point, uh, your career will get, a you know, you will, you will, you will benefit from a deep specialization that people can, um, like your clients and others, uh, within the industry, uh, kind of, you know, relate to with you. Right. If 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 they if 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 you are the person with uh, who um, uh, who has the deepest kind of capability, has that kind of knowledge base about something, uh, a hip skill as, as as I like to call it. So uh, be open to that. That uh, to uh, or be be aware of the fact that 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 a specialization is is something that you want to develop over a period of time. Keep looking for it. Keep working towards it. For some people, some people find it really early. Right. And uh, for example, I was very envious of this one uh, peer of mine in law school who, for some reason, had was convinced that, um, you know, uh, uh, she wants to do IP and uh, uh, from from year one when IP wasn't even an awful subject. And, and she was at it for the next, um, you know, through law school and beyond. Uh, and just the sheer kind of wealth of uh, understanding that she had on that area, the command that she had was incredible. Right. Uh, having said that, my personality in law school, at least, would have never—I would have never enjoyed it because I, was, I always wanted to do n number of things. So I think to each his or her own, right? 
if you can, if you come across something that you're deeply passionate about and reasonably good at, try and build it out from day one. But even if not, that's okay. Just, just be, just be aware that ultimately, at some point, you want to start focusing on a certain kind of area. But to be in your early days, early years, be a generalist, go experience things within the law and even beyond. Right, right. And I think it is with this idea, I would like to, as we reach the conclusion of this conversation, I would like to bring this conversation back home. Um, and let me ask you, is this principle that you've mentioned that you were actively looking for your passion sort of resonates with Ikigai philosophy? And I'm now I'm really curious, why is your law firm called Ikigai? And uh, is there a story behind that as well? Yeah, I think uh, uh, so- somewhat what you, what you picked on. So essentially... Um, you know, we used to get this question, get uh, get the, get asked this question very often uh, about how is it that uh, you know, as a firm, we have always been managed to kind of uh, keep up with what's happening within the kind of tech and innovation space. So whether it was you know blockchain like five years ago when nobody else was talking about it, or um, uh, you know, likewise the drones industry, or or, or our very early kind of sojourning to uh, data privacy when, uh, you know, way before the idea of a personal data protection bill was floated, et cetera. Um, uh, you know, so one, so how did we manage to kind of get, get that entrenched in all of these um, developments, right? Uh, which, were, which were very foundational within the, within the tech ecosystem. And I think the answer for that to me was never was always vague, but but vaguely kind of it went back to uh, to myself and to the larger group of people that we are being deeply passionate about um, uh, about the about technology and and it's kind of that passion coming together with that sharp focus which um, which uh, probably gives us uh, some claim over you know kind of being being good at, at that work as well. And, and what is Ikigai as well? Right? I mean, though, so I, I, the, the more kind of elaborate uh, explanation of Ikigai is, you know, best explained, I think, with those in those the four circles that you might have seen, um, which is a, a circle that represents uh, what you're very passionate about. Another circle which asks, what are you really good at? The third, which asks you, what does the world need? And fourth, what does the world value? Is the world willing to pay you for it? Right? Because you may be passionate about something in great ethic, but the world doesn't really value it. Um, then uh, is there a point? Is a question worth asking? I mean, not that um, you know, different people will look at it differently. But the intersection of those four, if it comes together, is a powerful force, right? And I and I think um, even before uh, uh, you know, we we known of or I known of this term called Ikigai. At least uh, that was very broadly a way of thinking about you know, and 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 kind of. Uh, that's what kind of kept us, uh, brought us firstly very early on to this tech and innovation space and then kept us going in that uh, and not getting distracted with all the other opportunities that kept coming our way, right? Because as you grow as a firm, all kinds of opportunities will present themselves, right? So some friend will also send you a, uh, uh, their real estate client to you saying, that, well, here's a good lawyer I know, why don't you work with them? You have to say no to that, right? Um, so, um, uh, so I think uh, that kind of sharp focus was very well defined by this philosophy of Ikigai. Um, and uh, and hence the name. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. I sort of had the impression, but 
this level of analysis, this level of acceptance and uh, the thought that has gone behind, not just the law firm, but everyone who's associated, associated with it, I think justifies all the accolades that uh, AKGAI recently has been receiving. It was also termed as one of the best law firms in Asia by, uh, I, I'll just read out because I don't want to mistake this one, Asian legal business. And uh, I, I'm really curious as a it law firm. A, uh... <laughs> Right, sorry. Go on, please. No, no, please, please do feel free to correct me. I, I, I would no, love no, to no, learn no, more about a, it. Um, uh, so, the Asian Legal uh, Business, which is a which is a uh, Pan-Asian uh, kind of magazine uh, that gives out these awards, um, and uh, so we were the uh, the kind of boutique law firm of the year for for two years, and then also one of the uh, uh, you know best law firms to work in in Asia, where there were six six, uh, uh, five or six firms that were uh, kind of nominated. So uh, yeah, so that was, that was the accolade I think you're referring to. Yes, absolutely. And my question is, what is it that a law firm has to do to be rewarded like this, to be recognized like this? What is it that you've brewed up as a culture around your law firm that gets recognized at such level? There are a couple of things uh, which, uh, I mean, I, I, I can't, uh, I wouldn't claim to be able to step into the minds of the jury uh, but we often receive feedback from the jury as well, right? I mean, sometimes formally and sometimes informally when people, you know, after you've been um, uh, awarded, you kind of, uh, you know, and one of those award functions, you happen to meet some some jury member over drinks and they would, they would tell you uh, what they liked or, or, or not, et cetera. Um, so a couple of things that, I mean, one is the, the kind of... Uh, the the law firm of the year or the boutique law firm uh, of the year awards, which um, which we've now over the last two three years got got a couple of them uh, from different um, organizations in the uh, is 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 uh, something to be proud of. Yes, because you know we are we are a very very young firm, and typically we are always pitted against firms that are several decades uh, older, if not more, um, than 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 we are. Uh, I, I think what really stands out is our effort at trying to challenge the convention or challenge the kind of uh, set ideas about how a legal practice should be built. And we are very ambitious when it comes to that, right? So, so in terms of the uh, the sheer focus on the kind of work we will do, the kind of HR practices that we will have. For example, just recently we announced. Uh, uh, opening up our equity, not only to partners, but also to people who would stay long enough within the firm. Uh, or for example, having, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, leave policies where, uh, where with, with the flexibility of you, you don't have to ask for a sick leave or X leave or Y leave, you just tell people you're on leave and that's, and, 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 and that's the thing. So, I mean, point being that there are, there are a lot of these uh, things that we have tried to reimagine in in certain ways, whether on the work front or on the uh, the the people front, uh, uh, on our hiring front, etc. And um, and that I think uh, truly resonates with a uh, with a lot of uh, lot of people. And um, uh, so that's uh, that's been um, that's been one. And what we want to really achieve out of this is not the award, but hopefully uh, if we can if if we can uh, essentially inspire other organizations, other organization builders, young people who are entering the profession, uh, that it is possible to kind of, uh, you know, 
undo the way things are done typically and have been done for many years or decades or centuries uh, and kind of uh, uh, you know rebuild on them uh, i think that would be what be an achievement that i would personally be proud of um and uh, and the second thing is the uh, you know what what personally i mean the, the one recognition that i hold closest to myself is uh, of course the one uh, by again by asian legal business on um, you know uh, where we were named amongst the best firms to work for in asia and um, that is is I, I think just representative of the kind of culture that we've tried to build because honestly kostab you can only you can talk all about all the big things that you want to do uh, that uh, you know you want to do a certain kind of work and the specialization and what not but ultimately it will you will be able to execute it only if you have a team that is capable of doing it and has bought into doing that right um, and that's only when you can do it at scale uh, and and many of the things that we've uh, so so the the kind of um, uh, achievement at that uh, on that uh, uh, specific thing right which is like having be, been able to uh, uh, you know build a team that takes pride in the kind of work that we do uh, really believes in it uh, uh, etc i think that is something that you know uh, is typically years of work and uh, without any clear answer how you build a team like that right so i, I think that's something which um uh, which i i and my my colleagues are particularly proud of and that's the recognition that we hold closest to our heart um but yeah that's uh, that's uh, all i can say on that no that's absolutely wonderful sir i think i've already told you this and i think uh, every law student who is who's either following your work or who is reading more and more about technology law reading into blockchain reading into cryptocurrency is trying to understand all of these things especially studying this niche area of technology law with the various aspects that are attached to it has definitely definitely looked up to ikigai at one point or the other i think there is there is incredible incredible amount of inspiration that is uh, being drawn from your experiences and i think that is that is sort of creating a change Uh, in the legal practice as you mentioned and this conversation in itself is going to give out a lot of different perspectives to how law students or other fresh uh, entrants into the industry or any other lawyer could really balance out between specialization and generalization and make an informed choice which i think this episode clearly clearly does so thank you so much sir i think this was an amazing amazing episode before we wrap this up do you have any closing remarks for our viewers oh No, I mean, I, I, Costa, uh, I really enjoyed this conversation, and I think uh, to your viewers, I would just say that, uh, uh, I mean, don't be afraid of, uh, you know, experimenting. Don't, don't assume. Don't take anything as a given. Uh, uh, build your own. Uh, build your own path. I think. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you so much for taking time off, and uh, I had a wonderful time. I hope you had a good time too. I did. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank you so me. much.